0: Welcome to Seeing Red,
1: where we finally decide, through a fight to the death, if the book or movie was better.
0: I'm your host, Jimmy, movie fan, letterbox subscriber, Christopher Nolan cult follower.
1: And I'm your diversity host, Kelly. That's it? That's all.
0: Well, we are here to bring the content you want for all things books and movies.
1: Spoilers and unfounded opinions?
0: Exactly. So sit back and enjoy as we dive into the most millennial question of all time. Was the book really better? It was. Enjoy being wrong. Welcome to Seeing Red with Jim and Kelly. On today's episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about Good Omens, which is a story about an angel and demon who decide to work together to save the world and prevent the end of the world from happening. I'm Jim Culhane.
1: I'm Kelly McMurray. Jim, are you Team Heaven or Team Hell?
0: Oh, man. I I just like Crawley's character more than Aziraphale's character. So, I would say Team Hell. Yeah. But which is which? Is Team Book, Team Heaven, or Team Hell? I thought
1: about this. I thought about it very long ago. I and did hard. think about I think, this too. I think, especially because there are some big parallels, particularly yeah. that Azura Fail owns a used bookstore. So, we uh-huh. got that. And the fact that Azura Fail, everyone thinks is a raging homosexual. I was like, I think about that too. <laughs> so, I don't know. But at the same time, I got a bad mouth on me so and i like my sunglasses i don't know maybe maybe i'm a some the the love child between the two of them
0: see i look at it as like the book route is what you're supposed to do and the movie route is the cheating way around it
1: this is very true (laughs) and it also (laughs) seems like a lot of like the more like because they bring it up in the book too is sort of like how there's no good musicians up in heaven they're all steps yes. and stuff like that. So maybe, yes. so maybe, like, then again, how many authors would be in heaven? I'm batting for like two.
0: Yeah, not very. The
1: God wrote it, so God apparently, wrote it, so I don't know.
0: That probably makes the cut. Uh, uh,
1: I mean, God also created hell, so I don't know.
0: That's There's, true.
1: This is this. There's game, benefits
0: to both sides.
1: This is a Bible study class tonight, guys.
0: This- we have a lot of that.
1: Yeah, so you definitely say that you would be team hell, huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah, why not? Considering I cheated.
1: (laughs) All right, well, before we get into this book, and I have to figure out how to give a concise and linear way of presenting this story.
0: Better than uh, the book, hopefully. Oh, fuck off.
1: How about we discuss what movies have you been watching lately? How are you?
0: I'm doing good. Yeah, I saw a couple of movies from last month to this month. I would go in order I liked to order I didn't like. I saw Bullet Train, yeah. which was a very fun ride. We watched it together, had a great time mm-hmm. with it. We we started one night and we finished it the next night, which is always fun because it's kind of like you're watching a two part series of a of a show. I feel uh, like we
1: could have pushed through the first night, but we had lost yes. a lot of soldiers along the way with us.
0: Yes. So Yes. We were the only two willing to go. <laughs> But, yeah, Brad Pitt was awesome. I loved the humor. I loved the energy. It gets very chaotic. A lot happens in this movie. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of this book a little bit where there's a lot of, like, sub-characters that have a little backstory that end up all kind of connecting at the end. Yeah, so maybe it was, like, a a premonition,
1: really, of what we would be doing today. Yeah, Hmm.
0: true. And then uh, next I watched Bros. Yep. Bros was great, per your recommendation. I thought that was a very good movie. They had some great one-liners throughout that movie. And yeah, it was just hilarious. I had a good time with it. And then the last one, extreme disappointment. But I had it on my list forever, and I told myself I had to watch it. It was Amsterdam. Uh. And its I wanted to not believe the rumors of how bad it was. I wanted to like this. And I wanted to just pretend that all the reviews were wrong and... People were overanalyzing it like every movie, and the critics are overanalyzing it. But no, they were spot on. It's terrible.
1: Like, I feel like it was like American Hustle, you know, where there was like, it was. Yes,
0: like, it's the same director.
1: That guy needs to be shot. I don't know. Like, that, it's just like, it, <laughs> like, the fuck are you doing aside from like just getting a big paybook for all these actors?
0: Yeah, that was like, it. D- it was literally just, make just a how porn. many people you could throw throwing it.
1: Know.
0: I remember watching. There's a scene where Taylor Swift is in. Taylor Swift and she's is in that? Acting. Yeah, and she's acting. And I, I love Taylor Swift. Don't I do too. Taylor Swift, please come on the show. <laughs> but not the best acting, if you could believe it. I mean... But then again, Taylor can do no wrong.
1: I, I, apparently she can do a lot wrong, so don't worry about that.
0: Like, even Christian Bale who's a great actor, he did great. He was probably the only good part of this and even his acting was just trying to make up for the bad writing. Yeah. If that makes it sense. It does because
1: I think like you can have a lot of good performances with having poor writing and poor directing. Yeah. Or, you know, vice He was versa. the only one that
0: was able to kind of mask the bad writing.
1: Yeah. But he was in American Hustle too. You would think he'd have learned because yeah. it was like, it was a hype machine movie that then just decided to like have like meandering storylines with like kind of like that weird usual suspecty kind of end where they're like ha but what i heard about amsterdam because it is not on my list is that it just its tone is really confusing so people don't know what yeah. the fuck they're watching so i just think like it's like american horror story pick a plot and figure out what your tone is and then you can make a movie
0: Right. And it is very all over the place and you don't know what's going on. But at the same time, you do know what's going on, but you don't care. (laughs) It's weird. Sounds
1: great.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's kind of just, it's all over the place and it's hard to follow, but you know the main plot line, but you don't care like what ends up happening. And you're like, the person, the, the whole story is about somebody who dies and they're, they're accusing Christian Bale and. I can't think of the actor's name from Tenet.
1: Uh, um, uh, it's not I can't think Glover. of the name of Tom. It's not Glover.
0: Yeah. Anyway, him and Christian Bale get accused of murdering this guy. And you don't know who this guy is or how he kind of knows them. You kind of know the backstory. But it's like, okay, you don't care who ends up killing him. Like, I don't yeah. know. I just gave up after a while. <laughs> it was, it it was me, rough. Did you
1: ever watch the second season of True Detective?
0: Yes. It was kind of like Yeah, that.
1: that's kind of what you were giving me, where you're just sort of like, do I actually care? And then, like, they revealed who the killers were, and you're like, we just learned about these people in the last episode. It wasn't like, <laughs> like <laughs> nice,
0: yeah. to... no big oh. like, surprise. Yeah. yeah. So
1: I will make uh, sure not to watch that. Any movies that you're excited to watch or are on the
0: list? Oh, let me see my list. Ooh, pulled uh, up
1: from a letterbox. Check out the letterbox list.
0: Yeah, what do we got? Okay, so I want to see all quiet on the Western Front, which I'm not a huge war pre yeah, not a huge war fan. You know, movie it's war. Not yeah? a fan of war. War or war. You cut it out, Ukraine
1: um, and Russia. Cut it out.
0: But this does look very good. We've talked about this, but I'm excited for Glass Onion yes. comes out. I haven't seen it in the theaters, but we're gonna watch it next week on Netflix when it releases. And then also the I kind of it kind of want to watch Violent Night Ugh. which is the Santa Claus yeah. action movie. I'm uh, not
1: not which is surprised. getting like, surprisingly <laughs> good list. reviews. I heard good things. I you know.
0: great. Wait, there's Oh, and oh, and Avatar's out.
1: Yeah. My sister saw that. I I don't know.
0: They're they already made the third. The Are third you is done. It's film. Fucking filmed. serious? And they're supposed to be four and five, but if he doesn't make a certain amount of money during two and three, they're not going to do four and five.
1: What inspired this? Like, are these like acid flashbacks that are kicking in like 30 years too late?
0: It's going to be like a 50 year series. Oh, my
1: God. It also, like, it, it's kind of pissing me off because I got into a little stink with on Instagram because I decided to call James Cameron out on being a fucking plagiarist. Taken Fern Gully and making it into a, a 3D adventure, and I like Avatar; it's fine. But we can all admit that that's Dances with Wolves, Pocahontas, and Fern Gully all in one movie. Well, <laughs> there was a few bros that did not like my comment, and I would like to apologize to all the Titanic fans out there who apparently are really butt hurt about me not calling James Cameron a god amongst mortals. So that's my that's my and PSA. Terminator. Oh. <laughs> Terminator Two. Terminator two, is one, Terminator two is one of the
0: is one of the greatest. Uh, action movies of all it, time. It,
1: I love that movie and Robocop for whatever reason. At the tender age of six years old, I was allowed to watch, and they are great films. And they definitely they I was raised on that. Arnold Schwarzenegger. So
0: with that, I think you need to retract your James Cameron statement. Chance Kelly, any good books uh, that you're reading? You're excited for? You want to start? What's going on in the book? Oh,
1: book? I have a few books. I've been like a little bit of a naughty girl, and I've been hitting up a couple of the independent bookstores in my area. Not that I don't have a gigantic TBR list already. I like to just shop for books, it's an addiction. But I actually got a book for a recommendation from one of my coworkers called The Sentence by Louise Erdrich. Erdrich. I cannot pronounce her last name effectively. But anyway, she won the Pulitzer Prize for her last book, The Late Watchman. And this is my first book by her, and it is fucking amazing. And on top of that is a book person's book. It gave me already four book recommendations, and it's all about an independent bookstore being haunted, amongst many other things. And it's amazing. But I also picked up an Elena Ferrante's short stories, or shorter book, and she's the one that wrote My Brilliant Friends series and everyone loves and raves about her i think she writes under a pen name so people don't even know who she actually is but that's gonna be my first cool. book by her and then i also picked up endymion the third book in the hyperion series so i'm oh so... nice i still
0: have to read the second one
1: Oh i'm so excited i wonder if i have to reread the first two just to kind of keep myself back in that loop but i wouldn't hate that i'd be down for that yeah but yeah And then I just watched a lot of TV, so White Lotus, if anyone wants to talk about White Lotus Season 2,
0: hit me up. We should, uh, yeah, talk on the Discord. Yeah,
1: and Severance. Severance and White Lotus, AA++.
0: Yeah, those are two great shows you got on the board right now. Yeah,
1: and then the L Word Generation Q, which is terrible, and I'm ashamed to be gay. And that is all.
0: You always gotta throw one in there.
1: (laughs) You really fucking do. All right. So what say you to us discussing the end of the world?
0: Let's do it. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about Good Omens. Just so everyone's aware, this is a spoiler podcast. So we will be reviewing the entirety of the plot of the book and the show. This is our first show, actually. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. And with that, uh, Kelly, if you want to give us kind of an overview of the plot of this book, and then we'll go into our... uh, Book first movie debate. Sure,
1: let me do what the book should have done and do a whole line of Adderall.
0: Would that have made it (laughs) better or worse?
1: Honestly, I think that's how it was written, and I love it. So, Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. We begin at the beginning of the world, Earth.
0: (laughs) The beginning of time. Beginning of
1: time. It's not that old. It's about six thousand years old, according to bullshit. There's a lot of haha funny jokes in between this and then. We know that Earth is a Libra, which I don't agree with. But okay, thank you for throwing in some astrology.
0: I was going to say, uh, are you gonna, I wasn't sure if you were going to touch on the fact that Earth is a Libra. They
1: had me. They had me at that line.
0: Yeah. Anyway,
1: Earth is a Libra. Time has been invented. God's invented everything. But obviously, as we know it, Adam and Eve done fucked up. And they ate the apple from the, what is it, the Tree of Knowledge? Yeah, great. So anyway, sure. they eat that because a certain demon as a snake comes up and tempts Eve. And you find this out because the snake named Crawley goes up to the angel of the East End or whatever it is. I don't know. Is that a is that a borough of New York City? He is <laughs> he's guarding one of the the angel gates, of the, the, an-
0: one of the boroughs.
1: angel of the West Side Highway. And he has given away his flaming sword to Adam and Eve because he felt really bad for them, and it was really mean what God did. Anyway, the angel and demon started up kind of like a a, a loose friendship, if you will, because the snake is actually really friendly and charismatic, and he's like, "Well, that went over like a lead balloon." And the angel <laughs> is like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "I think God's a dick." And so yeah. there we go. So we've established. I like these how they like, people. maybe we
0: did. I like how they're both like, maybe we both did the wrong they thing here.
1: Oh, I gave my sword away. Mm, I might have actually helped them out of this place. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of banter about like the religious aspects of this story. But the angel is named Aziraphale, and the snake is named Crowley. Crowley, Crowley, they're both usable. So, anyway, time goes forward, and you find out that Crowley is now bequested by hell to bring the Antichrist, which has been born, and is a little baby in a basket to a nunnery run by satanic nuns called the Chattering Order of Satanic <laughs> Nuns.
0: Which I'm <laughs> such a fan of the Chattering Order. I am by the way. too.
1: Because, and like
0: a group of nuns that won't just, shut just the say fuck whatever's up. on their mind. Yeah, just keep we'll talking. And
1: they kind of give a backstory of St. Beryl, who was the one that founded the. And they're all satanic nuns, which I don't think they like. they necessarily advertise that. But there's a few people having their, you know, pregnancies done there. So I guess maybe not. So the two, like the nuns are twats and they can't handle this either. So Crawley gives the baby to Sister Loquacious. And Sister Loquacious, being a dumbass, thinks that it's supposed to go to the wrong parents. So there are three people having babies at the time, or two people. No, I'm trying to remember. Three. There are three people. Right, there's...
0: No, no, there's two people having babies. Two people. And then the Antichrist. Yes.
1: there are two couples Antichrist comes in, at in labor. The I'll give the men credit for yeah. this. So there's two couples in labor, and then there's the Antichrist. So there are three babies, all identical-looking, blonde, blue-haired babies. So Baby A, let's call that Satan, Hail, Darkness, blah. Whatever they call it. Father of the Underworld. Baby A is that Long one. title baby B is being born to the couple, couple B. Couple C is having couple, baby C. Now what happens with Sister Lucretia? is she gives baby A, Satan's baby, to couple B when she was supposed to give it to couple C, which was an American
0: diplomat. diplomat
1: right? So that makes sense yeah. because, of course, the Antichrist would be somehow an attaché of the American government. Well, she yep. gives it to be, the couple B, which is more British than a tin biscuit. So she gives that the baby the antichrist <laughs> and biscuit the, the family that birthed the royal family the f- second family of the american diplomat family gets baby b which was the british couple of baby and baby c we don't really know what happens to baby c it's kind of it just yeah, goes away just, maybe it grows up maybe they dumped it in the you know the trash like it was a prom baby we just don't know so anyway there's a lot of confusion. Hell and heaven both think that, basically, the American diplomatic family is the one with the antichrist being born. Little do we know. Anyway, I'm I'm like running out of breath already. Like this is a very long. <laughs> <a>, Wait,
0: real <laughs> quick, just a, little, uh, back, just a little back, just a little backup to the antichrist thing. Yeah, is the whole point is on the antichrist's eleventh birthday, the Armageddon will begin. So, oh, Azira, getting uh, to Crowley's that, in charge, yes. Crowley's in charge of delivering the baby so it can raise him and make sure he's on the path to his 11th birthday properly. Exactly.
1: And only hell really is supposed to know who the Antichrist is. So, they're kind of tracking family C with baby B, thinking it's the Antichrist family, so that on his 11th birthday, he'll receive a hellhound and that will be the beginning of his powers and that he will cause the end of the world ushering in also the four horsemen. So that's kind of the more linear way of talking about this. What we know at this point is that baby A has been born, and it's Satan's baby, and it is not with the right family, and all these nuns are fucking up left and right, and that the four horsemen are just kind of tooling around the world while they wait for baby Hail Satan baby to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. But it was kind of, and then, it's, yeah. So we go through a discourse of like about 10 different people. So there is a few things that are going on. So, you learn about. So,
0: real quick. Yes. Yeah, real quick too. While Crowley's raising this kid, he's starting to realize maybe it's not such a great idea that the end of the world is coming. Pretty
1: much as soon as that baby gets delivered, he is like, oh shit. Because, long story yeah. short, Crowley has gone native, loves the earth, loves his job, just kind of. Twisting and turning and causing little tiny shit issues, like creating the M twenty five. Which, guys, I do have to tell you, this is like yeah. this is the most British book you will ever read. So I, I didn't know the M twenty five, but it is basically an orbital highway around London, and people hate it because it's designed really poorly. So just think of it like a Trader Joe's yes. parking lot. So anyway, and a demon
0: from hell designed and, it. Yes, to this and book. it
1: was very tongue in cheek that Crowley was the one that kind of yeah. like rearranged a few things so it would become. The Odegra, which was like a, an ancient symbol for like Hail Satan. So, yeah, it, yeah there's a lot of like Britishisms in this.
0: Uh, a lot? <laughs> it's cover to cover. Uh,
1: yeah. If imperialism and I don't know, tea had a love child, it would be this book. Where did I, this? This is what again, I'm getting distracted. So, there's like about 20 different stories happening. So, you learn about. There's a witch named Agnes Nutter, who was the only person to ever actually accurately describe the future in little bits and pieces. But it was so accurate that no one actually ever bought the book. <laughs> it's, yeah, it was so successful that it wasn't successful. So one book actually remained and it trickled down to her descendants who spent their lives basically being professional descendants because she threw in little tidbits about like how to be successful. So they earned enough money and were able to be kept safe. But at the same time, knew that there would be the end of the world coming at a certain point in time. So they've been spending like 300 years trying to decipher this book. So we meet the the latest descendant, which is an Anathema Device. And Anathema, in case you didn't think I just said a name just there, is a young woman, maybe attractive in how they've described it in the book, maybe not. And oh, very attractive in the <laughs> yes. show. And how she is trying to, like, educate herself on how to stop the end of the world. You also meet Newt Pulsifer, who is a just stupid as shit, and he cannot <laughs> literally use a computer. So you learn about that very, <laughs> very briefly.
0: Very important that he cannot use a that, computer. That is
1: literally all you need to know. And what's really cute about this situation, too, is that his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather and Anathema Device's great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother, the witch, well, Pulsifer's great-great-grandfather actually was the witch finder (laughs) that lit her great-great-great-grandmother on fire.
0: What was his name?
1: (laughs) His name was...
0: Thou shalt not (laughs) commit adultery, Pulsifer.
1: That His whole full thing. legal name that was whole thing. Thou yeah.
0: Shall Not Commit Adultery. Bolster.
1: Yes, yes. We need to bring those kinds of names back. Enough of these yeah. James, Johns, and Theo's. Yeah. Okay.
0: We need statements. We need
1: statements. Anyway, so as I circle into the abyss here, guys, you start to learn even more backstories about this kind of stuff. There's a Witchfinder army, which is uh, made up of two people. There is witches that are trying to gather, which is just anathema device to stop the end of the world. And there are the American family raising what they think of or what hell thinks is the Antichrist. So most importantly is when we find out that Crowley and and Aziraphale, the angel at the very beginning, both love Earth so much that they are so stricken by the fact that Earth might end soon. They decide that they might put their, their fingers in these pies and try and alter the outcome by maybe convincing the Antichrist that he's too good or too bad or basically trying to, like, deviate it so maybe that they could stop the end of the world from happening.
0: Just be, like, a normal person. Yeah,
1: maybe just be a normal person. So both of them kind of, like, have other people helping raise this child. The gardener is the angel side. The nanny is Hell's side. <laughs> and it's just interesting to see this child, which has been named Warlock, be raised by these two different kinds of agendas and on their 11th on his 11th birthday they're waiting for the halhound to come so they can you know finally figure out how the the halhound will be shaped because it's very important to figure out how it, it will be named and that will continue the course of the trajectory of the Armageddon well on the birthday while doing magic tricks by <laughs> by the angel they discover that the dog has never come. And that's their aha moment of, oh, shit, we have the wrong kid. So...
0: I like when he's doing the magic tricks, but he refuses to use his powers to do magic mm -hmm. tricks, so he just does, like, really bad magic.
1: (laughs) Oh, a zero fail. And there is also, like, a very homophobic joke during that, but I laughed out loud, so, like, I guess I'm a bad person. Anyway, so they realize that the baby is not Satan's baby. So they're like, ah, shit. So they go back to the nunnery only to find out that the nunnery has been burnt down because demons like to burn shit down. So they were like, hee hee, we're done. burn the place down.
0: And turned into. And turned
1: into a, what would you call that? It's like for businesses when they have like offsite business
0: team bonding. It's just like a paintball arena. Yeah. Yeah, it's a paintball arena. You find out
1: that Sister Loquace is the dumb dumb that switched the babies incorrectly. That she has learned how to use a computer unlike Newt Pulsifer, Pulsifer by the way. Has learned how to use a computer and is very business savvy and started up her own startup of just running a paintball place for businesses to come and shoot at each other. So when they get there, they see that, they're like, I'm very confused. She's like, I don't have any records. And what they end up doing is turning everybody's paintball guns into real guns. So, so they can kill so each, each other. It ends up working out. So I'm distraught that they haven't found any information about it. the other family that had been giving birth at the time, they're driving along and they hit a young woman on the side of the road to be discovered it is anathema device, the witch whose grandmother was the one that predicted the worth from happening or falling apart. So she gets hit, but of course, because of the angel and the demon, there's a miracle and, and other strings passed that she doesn't get in- egregiously injured. So they give they give her a ride back home, only to find that when she gets out of the car, that Aziraphale, who owns a bookshop, ding, 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 finds a book of Agnes Nutter's prophecies in the back. Obviously, this is an Athema devices book, and he is enthralled to find it because it's very hard to come by, and he knows the business and that this book is serious stuff. So he hides it from Crowley. Goes back home, makes a cup of cocoa, tries to read all the prophecies, succeeds in figuring out who the Antichrist is because of the prophecies. And his cocoa gets cold. It's very sad. What What am I missing, Jimmy? I feel like I'm like... <laughs> Adam and them. Yeah. So while this so, is all happening, because it's been, you know, 11 years.
0: The regular Antichrist the, the real... ends up forming like
1: a little gang. Yeah, because he's the Antichrist. He's very charismatic. So he's just like this like Adonis looking little boy. And he's you know like a little bit of a troublemaker in the town of Tadfield, where he has grown up in, and has gotten a group of three other friends that are very close to them, and they are called them, so it's just a best basically like a ragtag group of like kind of like, oh what is it, like the goonies or something like that, they're like or like the rascals yeah, or something. but yeah. with like really thick British accent. but
0: older yeah, strong.
1: yeah, so they' types of the, like the goonies, they lovable mischief. Oh. And they are led by Adam, the Antichrist. And Adam's actually like, kind of a nice guy.
0: And the normal, normal British, British, kid. British
1: kid. And on his 11th birthday, while talking about how his parents are going to get him a dog, the hellhound shows up, but obviously holds back a little bit while Adam describes what his favorite kind of dog would be if he were to receive one. And the hellhound listens and, of course, shapes to whatever adam describes it as which ends up being like, like a jack russell terrier type yeah, like, <laughs> like a little, little tiny scrappy yeah. dog with like its ears bent back and, and it's like all happy derpy as hell so like that's it's kind of like clue number one that adam is not really has not been raised according to the antichrist de facto baby book so more stuff kind of goes back you keep learning about like the different characters of war famine pollution replaces pestilence because pestilence got replaced by penicillin and just decided to fuck off and pollution took its dirty crown instead so those are the three horsemen including death so
0: real quick Mm. just a little about this book before you keep going i want our listeners to know i kind of cheated this episode and i could not for the life of me finish this book (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just for listening to what you've been going through for 20 minutes now, I uh... like is the exact reason I could not finish it. And right where you're at right now, it's pretty much all I knew from the book. You
1: fuckbag. All right. <laughs> well, let me finish this and then we'll get into it from what you've known in Wikipedia, you lazy son of a bitch. So, anyway, I watched the show. You, watched, you did watch the show. Congrats. So, the four horsemen are described while the four horsemen are being summoned by a delivery man. So he gives them the pieces that are they're supposed to wear. There's a knight, a sword, a crown, and scales. And then death is just death. So everyone's gathering. It's like basically a circle of just people kind of being pulled into Adam's ring as he discovers his own powers because he doesn't know what's happening to him. He thinks he's, you know, it's like basically learning that you're adopted at 30 years old. You're like, what? So he is gaining his powers. And during this time, anathema devices in the town and he hears that she's a witch and was like "Ooh, i'm gonna go play with the witch so he goes to her place she gives him a bunch of magazines which are like like occult
0: conspiracy theory
1: like magazines and he's like it's not tv it's magazines like of course this is honest of
0: course it's real (laughs) it's the equivalent of the email forwards of today
1: blowjobs prevent breast cancer like that kind of (laughs) shit (laughs) If you don't send it to ten people, this girl will die. So anyway, yeah. he reads all these magazines, and obviously the magazines are like you know, mobile and power plants are really bad, and the whales are dying, and Atlantis exists, and aliens exist. It's
0: all good conspiracy. It's theories. all
1: real stuff. Okay, so like honest to God, if I could subscribe to this magazine, I would. So it sounds amazing. Sounds great. So Adam is an impressionable youth. And reads all these things ravenously, because obviously, like, no one teaches you the great stuff when you're in school. And this starts to trickle into his imagination, which is also trickling into his powers. So while his powers grow, all the things he's reading about is happening. So aliens are coming down from the sky. Atlantis comes from the ocean. Power plants are losing their radioactive materials and are replaced by lemon drops. And it's like all this type of amazing (laughs) stuff, like the jungle starts to grow back again. Like, I don't know, the ozone layer gets fixed. It's like amazing things that, like, please, somebody give these magazines to the Antichrist. We need it right now. So anyway, he doesn't realize what's happening. People can't figure out that Adam is the person outside of Aziraphale, but Aziraphale cannot get to Adam in time because the angels are calling him to heaven to be part of the holy war. So, accidentally, he steps into a portal that brings him back up to heaven, which means he has discorporated and cannot actually physically help Crawley. Crawley is also desperately trying to find who Adam is and trying to, you know, sideline hell into, you know, causing this great war because he doesn't really believe in the war anyway. He likes Earth. He wants Earth to exist. So,
0: Yeah, once Armageddon happens, then the war happens from between heaven and hell. And that's really what... All the angels and demons want to happen, except for a Crawley and a Zero. Yeah, they're like, how else Pretty would much.
1: we know whose side wins? And they're like, I don't give a shit. Like, I like drinking one. Yeah, I just with... wanted
0: to be around on Earth.
1: And there's like a little funny things about that, too. But anyway, so yeah. I'm going to just really speed it up. I'm going to miss a whole bunch of stuff. I know I haven't talked about the Witchfinder army or the, the hooker okay. that was next door. I love them all. We'll talk about it in the in the breakdown. Anyway, yeah. everyone comes together. The horsemen ride to Tadfield. They all go to a, a the naval air or naval air Base, the airbase that's in Tadfield that's run by the Americans. But because everything is happening at this time with weird weather happening, they're able to get onto the airbase. And even though there's nothing there, like nuclear warheads or anything like that, because of computers, war, famine, pollution, and death are all able to kind of become their true form and, like, circulate throughout the, uh, the circuits and the electrodes of, of, of the planet and these, the system that's in the American government and basically set off all these, like, missiles and warnings and basically dump shit into the rivers and stuff. So they've started Armageddon through this computer system. Adam has figured out that he's the Antichrist in no small form and fashion, but he's also discovered that he doesn't want to be an asshole. And he's like, I like my friends. <laughs> And his friends... It was a real switch. Yeah, it was a real switch. Because he suddenly switch. was like,
0: let's just burn the
1: world down and start over again and save the whales. And his friends were like, oh, but I'm gonna miss my parents. And he's like, fuck your parents. And they were like, yeah. no, we like them. And he's like, I like you guys and I feel really bad that, you know, like I was gonna divide the world so up.
0: So this shouldn't so happen. So this
1: shouldn't happen. He has kind of like a aha moment himself and like looks inward and is like, I might be 11 but I know I don't want to be that guy. So... <laughs> Him and his friends all kind of fashion these little like makeshift things to go battle war, famine, pollution and death. And they go to the air base and they get in there and they're able to go head to head against the the four horsemen of the apocalypse and four horsemen disappear. But while this is happening, Anathema Device and Newton Pulsifer have also wandered onto that tad filled air base because they have finally figured out who Adam is. They finally figured out that they have to get to the Air Force because of the, the prophecies of Agnes Nutter. And while there, Agnes is like, or not Agnes, but Anathema is like, Newt, help us, we can't get into the computer system to fix it. And he's so bad at computers that she's like, well, why don't you fix it? And he touches the computer and it goes to shit and it turns all the warheads off and de-circuits yes. everything and thus saves the world from nuclear war. So these things have all happened. Uh, Aziraphale has been body hopping to try and find Crowley so they can hook up and find a way to stop the the end of the world. So he's body hopped into this right old hooker, and the hooker and him and this witchfinder sergeant all get to the airbase just in time to watch the nuclear warheads get dismantled and Adam go head to head with the four horsemen. And they're like, Yay! <laughs> <Like> we kind of <laughs> did it. And Adam separates <laughs> the hooker from the angel and they're back in their own bodies. And they're like, is it over? And the angel, Aziraphale and Crowley are like, no, it's not over yet. We got to deal with heaven and hell and Papa Lucifer downstairs. So Adam's like, okay. So angels and <laughs> demons in are a like- tired voice. He did a lot at this point, man. So they all talk about it. Long story short, heaven and hell are very disappointed that it's over, but you know, life goes on. But Lucifer is like, uh-uh, I got some stake in the game. This is not my son. Comes up from hell, or is about to come up from hell. And Adam basically just uses his powers to say, you're not my dad. <laughs> like This isn't reality. I get to choose my reality because what I think changes reality as the Antichrist. So he literally changes the thought of it to be that his parents are the parents that he actually has and that Armageddon was never going to happen in the first place. So that all changes it. Does he lose his powers? That's kind of like what remains to be seen. But Aziraphale and Crowley go back off to their respective ways of just kind of dipping their toe in the water for heaven and hell and their assignments. And Adam gets punished by his dad for being on the airbase by being, you know, locked in the house for a couple of days. But finds a way out of...
0: For being the Antichrist. Yeah, well,
1: mostly for being the Antichrist. <laughs> you have one meltdown as the Antichrist and next thing you know, you're on the airbase having your, you know, dad chew your ass out. So, yeah. So, anyway, that's pretty much what ends up happening. I missed a they lot. They kind of leave
0: it open. They kind of leave it open, too, right? Yes. You did miss a yeah, lot. Yeah,
1: I, I do apologize, guys. Like, I mean, like, I, I could have done No, there's
0: of- a lot to this book. I mean, Kelly, you talked for a long time. I think that's the longest plot read we've done. There's so much to this, this book. And this In, book isn't that and it's big. it's a short book. It's not
1: that big. It's a
0: short book, but they cram as much as they possibly could into those yeah. whatever many pages like, it is. How it's written
1: is like, it, it's a POV, so a POV switch. So like your point of view changes yes. from one character could be like a full paragraph or to like a, half a page, full page, two pages. Then it switches to another POV and you're in a very sometimes a different country, sometimes, you know, a very different person. You can be a very ancillary character that you never hear of again. Like there's like a lot of scenes when Aziraphale is is jumping from body to body in the book and he's in America one moment. He's in Haiti, the other and a few other places. So like you really have to go right into that story right away and just kind of sign on for like tobogganing down this hill at full speed and really (laughs) hope you'll catch on. And like the wit is like every sentence like this is definitely a conversation. Oh,
0: my God. (laughs) Jimmy's like, I hate it when people
1: are smart and funny. What a a horrific way to spend my afternoon. Kelly,
0: Kelly, Kelly. It was every line they were joking about the previous line. I'm not saying they were (laughs) smart and witty. I don't care if you're smart and witty. It was. Literally British joke after British joke after British oh, joke after British man. So
1: your hell is I BBC just raising BBC and. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I Fox love News.
0: Mighty. I'll take Mighty Python and the Holy Grail See. Day, I life can't. Of Riley, whatever.
1: I'm like I'm not this a Monty girl. Was
0: so much. I was like I just need a breath from this, from joke after joke after joke.
1: It's okay. Yeah, sorry, All right. I,
0: we're already getting into the we're, book. Yeah, but. I mean, I already established this. It's going to be a very interesting episode because I want to hear the differences between the book and the show. And when I go into the show, I want to know like how they did certain things differently at the end. But I I know we talked about this before. And trust me, this is the kind of book when you recommended it is the book I thought I would be all on board for. Very like funny and witty. And, you know, I love the idea of heaven and hell Kind of working together to save the world and all this stuff, but I, I, we talked about the like hundred page rule where if you can't get <laughs> through the first hundred pages of a book, just let it go. And I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Look, I don't know what it was. I just couldn't do it
1: anymore. I, I, I listen. I can't shit on the, that because like I've, I've like I, I,
0: and and I understand why people love this book. I really do because it was. Or When I first started reading it, I was like, oh, this is going to be right up my alley. Very funny. All this stuff. And then I got like, I don't know, like once they started talking about once they brought in Agnes Nutter and 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 thou shalt not commit uh, adultery, Pulsiver. Pulsiver, yeah. but they're 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 descendant. That's like uh, not that far in. Know.
1: How far did you get here?
0: Kelly, that's like halfway through the book. Because as Zerofail and Crowley go on for so long about raising this kid and the switches of the babies and all that stuff, and then randomly they'll just like be like, "Oh, there was a kid that like in the middle of nowhere broke a computer." You just have to remember <laughs> that for later. And then they come back, and then it's like a more Crowley and him working together. Like most of the stuff you've talked about in that plot, I read except for like the very end at the airbase, pretty much.
1: That's, like, such a good part, though. I mean, okay. Well, I know. I'm oh. upset
0: that I missed that part. I am it is.
1: And there's some, like, beautiful part. writing, I think, at the very, very end of it. Because, like, it does pull in a sentiment, I think, at that point in time when they discuss even kind of, like, the origins of, of obviously he's named Adam. So, like, that's not the most subtle of jokes that they can be making. Mm-hmm. But they, like, make a really beautiful, like, symbolism, I guess, by the end of it or, like, metaphor. And I thought that was really cute. Not that it's, and the thing about this too is like it's not yeah. necessarily a cute book. I do think that there's moments where you're very, it could get very dark in weird places and then be very yeah. no, light in totally other agree. places, which I think is, I, you could tell almost at that point in time which author is kind of writing it too because Neil yeah, Gaiman's authors, a little bit right? more on the on the the Crowley side, if you will.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: <clears throat> yeah, but let me get the, let me, uh, uh let me do like an eight ball of cocaine and I'll get back to you on like what's going on right now. But let's talk about the book in logistics form here. So the book was yes. written by Terry Pratchett, RIP, and Neil Gaiman.
0: Yeah, I just heard Yeah.
1: That.
0: Reading up on the book.
1: So I actually, I, like I did myself a grave <laughs> disservice. I was like, maybe I'll be very researched for this podcast and I'll like actually watch this documentary that Terry Pratchett had done Because he had passed away from Alzheimer's before, but obviously before he died, they didn't reanimate him. Before he Uh died, they actually had diagnosed him pretty early. So he decided that he wanted to make a docuseries with the BBC, basically showing Alzheimer's where he is and his journey in it. And also he had pledged a million dollars to research for Alzheimer's. And he had a very particular type. I want to say it was like PCE or something like that, but it PSV. And it affects like Uh a different part of your brain. So it affected his visuals rather than like uh, a few other things. But he started to notice it because when he was writing and he was like a voracious writer, he would start repeating sentences or he couldn't remember a word. And that's fucking terrifying. So, yeah, so. Well,
0: it's funny because they kind of leave this book open ended. And I was wondering if they were going to say make a second book. And then I started doing research. And then I, that's when I found out he passed yeah, away. Yeah, He passed away
1: at 64. And he was actually, I, I want to say he was native, I don't know. <laughs> Being not as British as this book. I don't know the different levels of it, but he is (laughs) Sir Terry Pratchett. And him and Neil Gaiman actually had discussed later, like basically, and had kind of outlined a sequel to the book, but they never got around to it. Because Terry Pratchett wrote a whole series called the Discworld series, which actually was what made him famous and got him very, I don't know, knighted, maybe. And he had started his success a little bit before Gaiman had, but Gaiman was a journalist who had interviewed him. So it was around 1985 that they kind of clicked and they had a really good back and forth. And then Neil Gaiman had actually forwarded to him the short story that he had wrote called William the Antichrist or something. A little short story, just kind of like a glib way of saying like what the Antichrist would be like in a very funny fashion. So Terry was like, <laughs> no. But but then Neil Gaiman wrote, I think it was Stardust or the Sandman series, but he actually uh-huh. like took off himself as an author. And that's when Terry called him back and was like, oh, you know that story you wrote about the Antichrist? What if I wrote that story for you or we could write it together? And Neil Gaiman was like, let's write it together because I'm not losing out on that finance right there. So the two of them like basically would just call each other on the phone because this was back in the late 80s. Basically Terry Pratchett wrote the majority of it, but I think he was the one that just did the writing. But Neil Gaiman and him both did a lot of like back and forth. So it wasn't that Neil Gaiman didn't do a lot of the writing. He just wasn't the the scribe, if you will. And they both like kind of claimed different characters. So like I think them and Adam was a lot more Terry Pratchett. And then like the four horsemen or the four bikers and a few of the darker things. They always joke, the maggots were Neil Gaiman's idea. Yeah. So you kind of, I think it blends really well. I don't think you can really always point out who's who and what is what with like the different authors uh-huh. writing, but I can definitely tell that this is a conversation between two people. And I think when you're writing or reading this, it's a really good thing to kind of keep in mind because yeah, it's that fast paced, and it's like I don't know if yeah. anyone else has ever had that kind of like brainstorming thing where it's like you're so on fire that you go ba 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 but it does come on and it <laughs> does come off that way. So it, yeah. I've never
0: read a book like this before, to be honest.
1: Oh, that's, see, I think that's so cool. Like, I, yeah. It is
0: cool. Don't get me wrong. I just, I've, I couldn't keep up.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. Put on some running shoes. I have, like, the funny story about how I came across this book is that many moons ago, <laughs> what, <laughs> who I believe was my sister at the time, gave me a copy of this book. And was like, oh, this is supposed to be really witty. And it's some back and forth between an angel and a devil and Armageddon. And because it's my sister, I was like, I'm never going to read this because fuck your book recommendations. So, (laughs) so, but I felt. I didn't know you had this kind of relationship. (laughs) Her and I will recommend each other things and then wait forever before we actually watch or read it. And then we'll both love like whatever was recommended us. But we like to take our long, long, long time in actually getting to that point. So anyway, I took this book and I threw it in a trunk and that trunk traveled with me for five years and then ended up in a closet somewhere. So one day I was at work and this British couple was like, oh, have you ever read this book, Good Omens? And I was like, oh my God, that's that book my sister recommended me. I was like, ah, fuck, they're too nice. I can't say no. So I was like, oh yeah, no, I never read that. I think somebody recommended it to me once. And they were like, oh, let us give you our copy. And I was like, so I was like not gonna be like, I think that's in my closet somewhere. So I was like, oh, sure, give me your copy. So I I'm reading this book and I'm like, wow, this is actually really great. And I love that they had given it to me because it was like a good source. And I was like, okay. So my sister and I decided that we were gonna go to a Broadway show. And I surprised her. I was like, Katie, guess what book I'm reading? And I pulled out this <laughs> copy of Good Omens, and she's like, I, what book is that? And I was like the <laughs> book you gave me like 20 years ago. Like I've I'm finally reading it. Isn't that cool? It's it's not your copy, but it's a copy that someone gave it to me, but I'm finally reading it. And she's like I've never seen that book before in my life.
0: <laughs> I was like what? wait, so who gave it to Jenny,
1: you? Jenny, I have no fucking idea. So anyway, it's like a, a Mandela effect because I read the book. I read to the couple. And I was like, wow, I really loved this book. It was totally up my alley. We had like a whole conversation about yeah. it. And then for this podcast, I was like, I'm not going to buy another copy. I'm going to see if I have the copy that was given to me. And I fucking do. Who gave Whoa, me this? That's book? weird.
0: Who that's gave weird. me
1: this book?
0: To our listeners out there. If you could. Who gave Kelly this, this book?
1: A good the Omen. original
0: Good Omens book.
1: Oh, my God. It's like you bumped
0: into anathema on a bicycle I, and somehow picked God, it up. God, that
1: does remind me about that time I was drinking and driving.
0: <laughs> my Bentley. My Bentley.
1: Sunglasses on at night because the sun never sets on a badass. But
0: yeah, so I have this copy. Right.
1: Anyway, I reread the book. That was the copy that was lent to me. And maybe now my sister will actually read
0: this book. Katie, you should read you should this read book. this
1: book because you gave it to me.
0: We're going to recommend it back yep. to you.
1: So anyway, I this book was written in 1990, or it was at least published during that time, and gained a lot of success. I mean, this was kind of what catapulted the two of them even further into their own writing careers. Like I said, there are multiple POVs. It is definitely a book that is. It's kind of like a one upper. I feel like whenever they were trying to joke about something, the other person would kind of go for the like the higher note there's a lot of annotations in the book so if you're reading it it will cause you to stop a lot and read the bottom of the page because there'll be like asterisks with like little side notes so that's why i think it'd be very important i feel like it'd be very hard to listen to the book because i'm not sure how they would break that up
0: well just so you know too i did a lot of audible on this book too to try and finish it before the podcast and. The narrator's like this old British woman, so also very difficult to listen to for a very long time. I was driving with, it was four of us down, it was technically seven of us, four adults, three babies, down to Myrtle Beach, trying to listen to this at about three o'clock in the morning through North Carolina, and I honestly thought I was going to drive off the road. I feel
1: like that is literally the Armageddon they were talking about.
0: It was horrible.
1: God, I would, Casey Anthony everybody and
0: and i can't listen anymore let's turn the wheel
1: yeah so in the story of life choices don't do what jimmy has done maybe just don't even procreate i mean at this point whatever it's fun (laughs) yeah i mean there's a lot to be talked about with this book i think i've said enough about it but like there are a lot of characters i think that's are really charming i think it's really cute and i think it's really fun the way that they've kind of layered a lot of the jokes there's a lot of callbacks to the jokes
0: no like under over 50 queen references in this book
1: yeah that's a callback <laughs> <laughs> and who hates freddie mercury nobody so i'm i mean sometimes i was wondering though what the I, I don't
0: hate freddie mercury and i don't hate queen but that was way too much Queen references in one book.
1: Well, don't watch that movie about Queen. That's going to really drive you up a wall. You don't, <laughs> you don't watch that. I
0: know going into it. If I know going into it, it's a Queen movie, <laughs> I'm okay.
1: I'm going to get you for Christmas just a Queen's Greatest Hits album. I love
0: which Queen. which is what
1: will happen if you leave a, a tape cassette in the car for a fortnight. The fact that they even say That's the right. word fortnight, fantastic. And I also like that they did try to like. Like I said, the two homophobic jokes that that were made throughout the course of the book is like the the, the reference to burning bundles of wood, which has another name for it. That <laughs> word was used twice, and is and it's very clear that this was written in 1990. But both times made me laugh, so I think I have to get my queer license revoked. I might have to like bum a ride with the other gays.
0: Um, speaking of that. Let me ask you a question. Mm. Aziraphale and Crowley, what's their relationship? But that's like
1: kind of what's said in the book. What's your take? What's my hot take? They adjusted it in the book. An angel is asexual or not asexual. They're not, they don't have a gender. <laughs> so it, it's just, they're a metaphysical being. And both of them have like, obviously they're incorporated. So they do have human bodies, and they are, they t- try to take very good care of not losing those bodies. But I don't think there's like a a sexual preference with either of them.
0: No, I don't. I don't. I totally agree. I don't think there's a sexual preference, but I do think they more than like each other.
1: They like like each other.
0: They like like each other. Hmm,
1: that's really sweet. They,
0: they have like, like a weird chemistry that I like. They do. I think it's very adorable.
1: It's written in the book, kind of like that way too. Is like it's just like a, a very endearing friendship. And I think it's like yeah. also kind of sweet because of like the two characters are very, I think they're very clearly drawn as who they are. So it's kind of nice to see that mm-hmm. they both have that, I don't know, like that really cute little back and forth between each other. And it's just a very genuine connection between the two that they both really love to be on earth and they really don't want to lose earth because neither of them really kind of like where they came from. Like Crowley always makes references yeah. to the fact that he just hung out with the wrong people and hence why he's in hell. And. You know, is you're a failure? They never
0: really explain why Crowley's in hell. Like they talk a lot about. Because he's a how demon. He was, yeah, but he was an angel.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what happened. So, they were uh, all but angels.
0: Nova, what made him fall? Like he, he makes it sound like he did something he can't go back, like he can never forgive himself. He I mean, for. was
1: Team Lucifer. I mean, he picked the wrong yeah. QB. I don't know. Like, he like yeah. he picked up the wrong... They
0: never really explain it. It was interesting, though. They talk about it a lot, though.
1: Yeah. Well, but. I think, like, in the book, there's less of a backstory for a lot of them. You don't really get that yeah. history between Crowley and Aziraphale. And I don't think it was necessary, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Like, I like their back and forth. I didn't need, like, the full history of Crowley and or Aziraphale for me to be like, oh, that's going to develop this story that much more. Like, Fail is just, like, a goody-goody try-hard that's really sweet and yeah. extremely British. And then Crowley is like more of like the the slick British, British bro. boy. He's the, he is the top and a zero the fails the B. bottom. Like it's just like.
0: The triple B. He's
1: the triple B. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not triple badass bottoming. Yeah. So I, like. It's hard to get into all the nuances of this, but I really like this book. I think it's like it's really clever. I think it was an interesting take on Armageddon because it's very rare that you get to read a, a humorous book that yeah. has, you know, it's it, the tongue is so firmly planted in the cheek, it's just coming out the other end. And I think it was like a nice take on Armageddon. I think it was a little dated. I think we could obviously modernize a lot of this. So, like, I hope it'd be more of an inspiration for more people to kind of collaborate and create a story that's fun and kind of glib about things that are not touchable for society you know what i mean like i think this kind of mm-hmm. like poked fun at a lot of stuff but it was still respectful enough that people all types of people could read it and be like oh they actually got this this and this right but are they making fun of it i'm not really sure and there's just i think a really fun cultural take on it i personally loved all the things about the kids And I really loved the four horsemen as well. And I thought it was like that one scene where the four horsemen are all on motorcycles because they don't have horses for this for the beginning preliminary stages. So they're all on motorcycles and they meet up with a motorcycle gang who realizes that they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse and they want to join in on the fun. So now there's like eight people riding motorcycles to Tadfield Air Base to end the end the world. And the motorcyclists don't make it, but they each keep choosing like their own name of like what end of the world name would they have? Is it French people? Yeah, so or...
0: <laughs> Nikki was telling me about this and, and I was like, oh, so what? Because I, I didn't get to this part in the book, but and they don't have it in the show. And I was like, oh, she was like, oh, they name themselves. They give themselves names. And I was like, oh, what do they name themselves? And she couldn't <laughs> even remember what the names it was were. It's like
1: grievous bodily harm french people (laughs) because they each go for things that they either don't like or they think other people don't like and one guy's like really cool people because they make you feel bad about yourself and they're kind of like i don't know two up their own asses and then like if one guy keeps changing his name the other guy kind of wants to keep changing his name and they all kind of meet their ends while trying to cross the (laughs) river of fire that is, I actually, I don't think it was the river of fire that they tried to cross. They, they, they no, landed into a barrier the... of fish and motorcycle. Oh. And sh- I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm making a word salad right now. I hope you enjoy
0: my word salad.
1: You enjoy this word salad. It's got croutons. Yeah. But I also really, I loved, I really liked the fact that they kind of adjust this weird, me- like a few metaphysical things, but the idea of the dog taking the shape of what it's named it and how like your mind kind of is form creates function in so many ways and all this other kind of stuff. And that like, here's this hellhound that because of his master's voice has to cohere to whatever shape the master says. And like the personality of the dog takes shape because of its physical form. So you can't be a hellhound in a Jack Russell body, you know? And like the fact is that like the more he's in this body, the hellhound,
0: even just the bark alone, even just like, like, it's like a little chip you know
1: it's it's got a yap not a work. Not a but it's just and like the needs of the dog become like i just want to chase cats and i'm starting to figure out this whole dog thing that even the hellhound decides that it does not want to in this battle yeah. between heaven and hell and you know lose this perfect earth i think more than anything what i love about this book is that there's such a, it's it's such a sweet way of being like life despite all of its flaws needs that back and forth of good and evil and yes it, and there's something so inherently great about being human that it's neither heaven nor hell it's not good or evil there's something about being a human being that's a really beautiful experience and that earth is a really beautiful experience and that heaven and hell is kind of nothing without it and that like, yeah you know? I,
0: I agree and i that is one theme that i really did like about this book and show is They're all trying to figure out God's great plan and they assume that Armageddon is his great plan. The ineffable plan? Yeah, heaven and hell. Yeah, the ineffable plan. And heaven, it's going to be a heaven versus hell war. And one side's going to win and one side's going to lose. But maybe that isn't really God's plan. Maybe he just wants all these angels and demons to assume that's his plan, but there's a greater plan in place. And that's what Crowley and Aziraphale really try to uncover, especially when they've been a part of the human race since the beginning of time. They've seen this human race grow and that Adam, for example, is a perfect example who's supposed to be the Antichrist and they don't even influence him and he makes his own decisions just based on being a human. And the kid that they are trying to influence just ends up being (laughs) like a dick. You know what I mean?
1: He just ends up being American transplant. American, yeah.
0: And it's just funny how, like you said, the that that theme between like it's not really heaven versus hell it's that we we have free will and that we can make our own decisions and there are good things in this world and bad things in this world and it kind of needs that balance and it's really interesting to see that yeah and make fun of it at the same time and work together like it's the first time where you see an image of bad versus good working together For humans,
1: yeah, and neither of them are really that bad or that good, which is kind of refreshing too. Mm -hmm. Because like you know, Crowley could be like sucking on baby blood the whole time, and Aziraphale could be I don't know, gayer, I guess,
0: (laughs) (laughs) to make him more of an angel.
1: (laughs) But at the same time, like they really did try very hard to make them almost human in their own way. Like sure, they have their nature. But yet again, the same thing as the dog is that the bodies that they have almost kind of humanize them in their own way. So maybe that's what kind of seeped the evil and the good out of not evil and good out of them, but the alliance to one side or the other that they, yeah. you know, the term going native is used a couple of times in the book in regards to Crowley. And I think they kind of use it a lot in the show, too, even towards a zero fail. Mm-hmm. But they just love Earth. They love food. They love alcohol. They love each other's company, good music. good music. I mean, like, heaven's not going to have all the ragers up there, you know? So it's sort of like, oh, life would be kind of boring without this, like, middle place where both sides kind of try yeah, to without win. without one
0: it. side or the yeah. other. And yeah, and
1: Adam at 11, and in one day of realizing he's the Antichrist, figures that out. So it's like, get with it, humans. I don't yeah, know. Build exactly. Atlantis in the ocean. Bring it back.
0: So you referenced the show briefly. As we transition into the <laughs> show side. We transition into did, hell. You, did you like the show? Oh, Did you like the adaptation? I'll tell
1: you something. So I read the book probably a year before the show came out, and I was a little nervous, as I usually am. And I thought they did a great job taking the tone of it. I thought they did a really good job of presenting mm-hmm. a lot of the material. So I I would recommend the show, and I have recommended the show. Obviously, I yeah. would sooner recommend the book. But, you know, not not... Obviously. <laughs> most people need it.
0: Because you'll die chewed on your sword. Up
1: and baby bird it into their mouth because they're just lazy <laughs> fuckbags driving vans full of children to South Carolina.
0: Let me tell you about movie people. We're lazy. <laughs> we want the quick, easy way out. Oh
1: my God. So lay back, guys, and let Dave and Tenet do all the work for you.
0: Oh, yeah. Give me more David Tennant. Honestly, Tenet. yes. Not less. I
1: mean, I couldn't I, I mean, I've thought of some casting, but I am gonna say I think David Tennant really he became shines. casted this. this perfectly. Even yeah, Martin, actually, but some,
0: every character I think was cast perfectly for their for role. for the
1: roles and characters that you read about, correct? And not Wikipedia.
0: Yes, that is correct. <laughs> the The characters and roles that I read about in the first half of the book, <laughs> I learned about all of the characters in a matter of two minutes because it went oh in fifty God. different directions on at the same TikTok.
1: Time. All right. Well, tell us some more about the show. I, where, can, where, what's uh, it on? Who made it? Who wrote it?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, the good thing is the show is on Amazon Prime, which most people are Prime members these mm-hmm. days. So you can go watch it for free pretty much. It was released in 2019. Like we said, it stars David Tennant as Crowley and Michael Sheen as a Zero Fail. But the cast is ridiculous. So we have John Hamm in here, Michael McKeon. Brian Cox plays Death. Francis McDormand, yeah, Brian Cox from Succession plays Death. <laughs> Francis McDormand plays God, and Benedict Cumberpatch plays Satan.
1: So, yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. everyone you want.
1: Like, um, I mean, is is he not Satan? I don't know.
0: Its director was Douglas McKinnon, who also directed like Sherlock and some of the Doctor Who's, which is pretty on point with our theme of the day, which is. British. I was just going to say, Jesus uh, Christ.
1: If you just you just yeah. talk with the front of your teeth, <laughs> you'll yeah. get all that.
0: I'm not even going to pretend to do a British Yeah, accent.
1: I did it really badly yeah. right there, so come for me, guys.
0: It's a six-episode series, so pretty quick. And the IMDB, IMDb rating is 8.0. And it's funny because I have a friend, Chris, who refuses to watch any TV series that is less than an 8.0 on imdb <laughs> so this would make his list
1: uh, are you gonna recommend it
0: i i do recommend oh. it i recommend it to anyone i really enjoyed the show it's light it's funny it's quirky it's chaotic it's got all the elements of the book that i did like from what i've read <laughs> but in a more linear way and the amount of characters that are in the book it Just honestly, easier to follow the characters when I could see them. It was so hard to follow the characters in the book when you just hear about them for really briefly and then it cuts away from them. And then I'm like, okay, I have to remember this kid that broke a computer (laughs) for a minute. And then, you know, I have to remember this girl that got hit by a bike and I have to remember this guy. It's it's
1: like, it sounds like you have an abandonment issue with these characters. You're like, and I never learn about them again. They just come in and leave me. There's some good parts. Well, I just, like I okay, you didn't read that part no. where Azura Fail was jumping bodies. I loved that. I loved these little tiny like sub-stories.
0: Yeah. Sure.
1: Okay. Well keep going. Fuck off. Of will, all right. Do it. I'm glad you did. Love it. I,
0: I just I I just couldn't keep up, Cal. I just couldn't keep up. I don't know how else to describe it. It was so all over the place. And every time I'm trying to follow a plot line, they would throw in some random joke. Some British humor joke, and I'd be like, "Okay, I'm trying to focus on this plot line." Wait, is it is a satire. Like, I
1: don't when you hear this shit?
0: Six thousand years ago, oh. you just have to know that the world wasn't born three thousand years ago, or no, six billion years ago, or three billion years ago, or five billion years ago. But it was this many years ago. Oh, so
1: it's, like, okay. it's basically a book making fun of. It's like atheists got together and wrote a book about using Christian yeah. mythology. And you have to understand that this is definitely snarky as shit. And like a lot of it is like that whole joke about like, oh, there isn't such thing as dinosaurs. That was a joke that, you know, paleontologists just haven't gotten yet. (laughs) And it's like, I mean, that you just have to understand is just sort of like, I think once you get to the tempo of their humor, it makes more sense as you go through the course of it that you just have to understand that every other second is going to be something and that each thing is some of it's like a very deep dig. And you might not yeah. even understand it quite. I mean, there's like a ton of references that I didn't get or at A, because like they there's might be a little lot. older or they might be like too British, which is just the name of this episode, I guess, is too British. Yeah. With like the number two, just to Americanize it. But some of the things like just to go over my head, like I remember there's like a one yeah. scene where famine is in Iowa and there's a reference to this line cook that's singing in the back. And he's like, get rid of that guy because like he's distracting people from starving to death. And and, and yet again, uh, it's so brilliant how like like the the things that famine invents to starve people, which is basically anorexia and the diet culture of models and all this stuff. It's so good. But that reference to the line cook is that he's Elvis. And like later on in the book, there's a whole thing where death is playing a video, like one of those trivia games on a almost like a Pac-Man kind of game in a bar. Yeah. And one of the trivia questions is, what year did Elvis die? And he just turns around and he goes, I didn't do it. And referencing <laughs> the fact that death never took Elvis. So it was like a whole Elvis isn't dead joke. Yeah. And Elvis is a line cook somewhere yeah. in Iowa. So kind of yeah. went over my head. So I
0: read that I read that Elvis thing and I was like, okay, that's probably going to come back at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and th- that's the kind of thing I was telling it about where it's like they referenced so much that you have to remember, and don't get like I said, I understand why people like this book. I really do. It's just so there's a lot to this book, and you went over the whole plot line. Everything Kelly described is in this book, plus more. <laughs> so, trying to like, I just liked it better as a show. I really did, honestly. I
1: could, yeah. It was the parameters. It are was there. clean.
0: It was clean. It was funny. It was great acting. Great writing. It included all the best parts of the book, you know. Some little things obviously didn't make it, but for the most part, it's the same storyline. The ending's a little different from what I read, but I, I really did like it. I it, I would honestly recommend this show to anyone. I think if you're if you want like a one season six episode series, check this out because it's light, it's funny, it's fun. David Tennant does great. Mark Michael Sheen does great. Some yeah, you know, all the everyone does great i I just really enjoyed it. I had a good time with it, honestly, but also this show is kind of like up my alley, you mm-hmm. know, like i know I know the style I like, and i I'm kind of upset because this is the kind of book that I think I would have liked normal yeah more. it it kind of had my it had my attention in the beginning, I was like all on board, and then I just kind of like lost interest after a while.
1: that's like what's interesting and, to me because it's sort of like I, I liked the adaption. I thought they I thought they did a good job of it. You can't capture everything, obviously, so I'm still gonna be yeah. team book on this by a thousand percent. Also just because the source material is just fucking amazing with like where they went, how much they covered, and the fact is that they tied it all together. And it was two people doing this job. So that's hard to like sync up. But the TV show I thought as good as it is, I think they fleshed out some things. I they added a few characters, which is interesting when you add characters and also like on a series especially this book that has so many characters they definitely developed more of like what hell and heaven are and the, those characters yeah. the demons and the angels which i didn't think was and i thought they spent a lot more time on like the relationship between aziraphale and crowley and there was that one episode yeah. which was episode three where it was basically so i want
0: to talk about that we'll definitely three. talk yeah. about that
1: because if, it was about 25 minutes of just like each time period of them kind of like Helping each other out or meeting up in like different, yeah. you know, like haha moments, like, oh, Jesus is up on the cross. How are you doing today? Like that kind of stuff. So you get this background. Mm-hmm. I thought it went on too long and I thought like the tone was a little weird, which each one, because like there was like kind of like a silence with a lot of those episodes, like each time period. So sort of like, here's five minutes dedicated to the 14th century. And like it would be like a very like nondescript conversation between the two of them. And it would be cut like a minute after the conversation. And I was like, did that really (laughs) did that really promote like anything about their relationship outside of just showing them in a different time period and having like, you know, oh, we were knights and like, haha, we took our helmets off and recognized each other. And we're like, oh, you, you dirty scoundrel. You know, like, I just was like, <laughs> who gives a fuck? I mean, like, at, at that point in time, go on the Internet and read the fan fiction somebody wrote about the two of them boning each other. I don't see how, like, 20 different time periods was necessary to build the development of their characters and their their relationship to each other. So that's just me yeah, being, see, that's my hot take on that. But
0: Yeah, so I think if this was true, if they tried to make this into a movie, it would not be good <laughs> because there's so much to unpack here. And I'm happy they turned it into a six-episode short series because I, I like I said, I don't think they would have wrapped it up in a movie. It's just too much. And yes, they added some things, and I'll talk about episode three as well. But that's probably the only episode I'm really going to dive into because it's probably the most different mm. from the book because they don't do that little backstory of Xirafel and Crowley. And well, so in the is book. the
1: ending, but you didn't read the ending, so I guess we can't really delve into that.
0: Well, yeah, and the ending. I'll, I I could talk about that okay. too. I I yeah. I I know that I know enough about the differences. Oh, I'm sorry. And the what I was going to say is I liked the humor aspect of that this- of that background of them going through time because I I don't know. I'm kind of more of like a maybe a historical nerd or something, but just whenever they would go into a time period, it's almost like that time period only happened for that reason because they were there and they like fuck something up yeah i like that little aspect of it and some of the one-liners from that little intro i would say it are hilarious like when noah is built like building his ark and crowley comes by and he's like oh god's gonna <laughs> flood all these people out and he was like well not everyone like the australians will be fine <laughs> and he was like for now yeah. and then or something like that and then all of a sudden a unicorn just runs away (laughs) and he's like oh you forgot one (laughs) like stuff like that i just think it's cute it's cute it's just good writing for it was good writing for the show and it gave crowley and aziraphale more of a backstory that you didn't really get in the book and i've heard that the, the one of the main differences between the book and the movie is they focus a lot more on those two in the show correct
1: yeah, no, I feel like they they're pretty prominent in the book. Like, I mean, they're the ones yeah. that kind of drive. It. I mean, they're the main characters. Yeah,
0: yeah. but but yeah, there was that um, when Jesus is being put up on the cross, and he's like, "Well, what did he say?" And He said, "Just be <laughs> nice to, to, to one another." And he's like, "Well, that'll do it." It just shows they're little. It just shows how long they've been working together for, and <laughs> I I just enjoyed that part. Yeah, and yes, it's not a book thing. It's definitely not a book. Thing. It has nothing to do with the book. I just I enjoyed that. If I hadn't read the book at all and just watched the movie or the show, I w- I would enjoy that. Yeah. Little backstory of the two of them and their relationship. I don't know
1: why. I don't think it's even just because it's not written in the book. I just feel like the pacing was like a little bit strange with that. I thought it was. Yeah. It was like a break away from enough of the main plot to like kind of suddenly just be like, oh, by the way, we want to kind of give you some more backstory about Aziraphale and Crowley. And then they do this kind of weird, like, odd couple kind of throughout the ages kind of thing. And, yeah, I do agree. Like, there's some great one-liners. I don't know how much of it might have been improvised by David Tennant. Right. Yeah. And I think that was just more... I mean,
0: the the two of them are great. I think they were just like... So, that helps. We're
1: paying them the big bucks, so let's give them some more screen time. Yeah. I think that was, like, one of the ones that I was just like, eh. I thought the ending was a little bit... I think it made the ending with one thing clearer, which was how adam resolved the issue by changing reality yeah. i think that yeah. was a little bit more digestible when you watch it in the show but i didn't like mm-hmm. i don't know I, th- I think there's like two things i have is a couple of the casting i think there was two people that i was like weird casting but okay and secondly the the battle between the four horsemen and the kids was what yeah. i thought was kind of like a little bit cheesy and they yeah. do it it's it, little it's a little chatter in the book itself you know but i thought there was something Mm -hmm. a little bit more earnest about it and it didn't maybe it just doesn't translate very well to the screen without coming off a little bit corny but i thought like there wasn't any like the kids in the book like fashion basically out of twigs like the scales and the sword and the crown and like when they go up against it it's sort of like they're the stronger forms of that
0: Those four horsemen items. Yeah, exactly. They can use them. Yeah, Yeah. so
1: like Pepper goes up against war and... Well,
0: that's what I wish they did in the show is I I wish they each fought one and it was more of a fight. It was like really quick, that little fight scene. Yeah. I don't... I clean up the environment yeah it know? was just
1: it's like you know what it's a combination of is like hook the movie with robin hood where it's sort yes. of like i yes, would use yes, my ma- imagination away and then a little bit of it chapter two at the end where they're like i'm just gonna basically say bad things about you and make the the bad demon go away kind of deal so it was right. just like it just and obviously like these are the four horsemen of the apocalypse you've just throughout the course of the novel read like how war is like this hot smoking mama who basically just causes war wherever she goes because she isn't and in the show i thought it was, she was actually pretty well casted i know she's from i forget the tv show now It was like that not the happening but something yeah. but it was just sort of like that weird woke feminism moment that i was just like i i feel like it, it the Tone didn't ring true where she was just like little girl, little boys and their toys, which is in the book, but it just has a mm-hmm. more profound thing because Pepper's just like such a snarky little girl that she, I keep saying snarky too, so I guess that's just the theme as well. But the word of <laughs> the, the word day. Of two British snarky, that she like kind of just goes right for war, and it doesn't have this like back and forth tussle. Like war just kind of goes up. I'm against my superior, and like kind of just disappears. Yeah. So, and the other thing is, like, I hated who they casted for Pollution. You can't. Pollution is like this grimy dude in the book. Like, I like, I, there's so many people you could cast for this, and you're gonna make it this smoking hot Asian woman? <laughs> like, what?
0: Who's just throwing what? shit in the river?
1: Like, I didn't get that. I was like, like, she doesn't, yeah, like, look like Pollution to me. Like, are you trying to go for the fat that, like, sometimes, like. Things look better than they seem, and you know pollution is something you don't always notice until it yeah, happens. I don't know to why you. they made that choice. And I was like, "Fuck off with that pollution! Like, come on, put it a, a, a Kevin Smith isn't doing anything right now. Put him in like a, a <laughs> you know an oil spill, and then you have pollution."
0: I'm gonna wrap up two quick things with the show. Obviously, the pacing was weird in the book, and like I mentioned, very hard to follow. I'll get one example that's my favorite between what I couldn't follow in the book versus what I could follow in the mm. show is the baby switching scene. <laughs> I could not figure out.
1: I couldn't even describe oh it myself. My God.
0: Oh my God. I was like, wait, what happened to that baby? That baby went to this room. And then what did they have the Antichrist or is it still with this right fam? I was so lost. <laughs> and that was like, one scene that I was like, I just have to watch the show just to figure out how they switch these babies incorrectly. <laughs> and then I love, so I was like, wait, whatever happened to that third baby? And in the book, I kind of like forgot, like, mm. what to that third baby? But in the show, they're kind of like, and they say the same thing in the book. It's like, oh, he could grow up to have a perfectly normal life. You never know. And then like, you just never hear about that kid ever You do
1: hear about it in the book because in the book they say, oh, maybe he grows up and has like a tropical fish collection and like, wouldn't it be nice? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then like when they start describing them and Adam, they talk about how there's a rival gang which is cut out of the TV show, but there's a rival crew called the Johnsonites, I want to say. And the Johnsonites (laughs) are headed by this one kid that was like Johnson or whatever. And he's like this big, tall, lumbering giant of a kid And it turns out that he is baby number three. So they kind of like, they kind of like neocopa it. They're like, see, he does love tropical fish and is a big lumbering idiot. So like, (laughs) yeah. They have to tie every character to the story. They punch a little bit more in the book. Like they're not like, oh, we chucked the baby. Sayonara.
0: And I just want to, one more thing that I just, random, very random, but I loved is Crowley's relationship with this plant.
1: I love that. I might, I might try I like, it. I
0: wish. I wish I could put the fear of God into my plants <laughs> to just grow better <laughs> when one leaf falls off and you just show it to the other plants. Yeah. This is what will happen to you. <laughs> do saying, that with my dog. they had
1: astrology and plant care in this book. Like, I, there's nothing you can't love.
0: I just want to go over a couple quick differences. We did talk about a lot of them. One of them that I found is they never mention... That the narrator in the book is God, but mm-hmm. in the show it's technically God. But do they
1: actually announce that it's God, or are they just kind of like? Is it like a Oh, I don't know. Thing? But when
0: you like, but when you like pause <laughs> Amazon Prime, it says God Francis McDormand.
1: For those of you who have a wealthy television Wait.
0: set, yeah, there's no scene with her though. No, it's just her voice. But, yeah.
1: And she does answer.
0: We talked about this. Like,
1: because i mean they don't really have a narrator in the book it's a lot but there are moments where there's like kind of fill in information and a lot of like oversight kind of narration so i feel like francis Durman played that character at least kind of bridging any of the information that you didn't know in the book into the show and i think they did a good job of that because you do need a lot of explanations and a lot of annotations and i thought that was a good way to kind of explain more of the world so i'll I'll give them credit for that and plus it's francis McDormand.
0: yeah they uh, in the book did they do that morphing thing into each other to trick heaven and hell because i heard no. that 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 was a little different yeah
1: they don't do that like there's not as many angels i personally did not like that they added the angels i thought they made them into a raging assholes and i was like if
0: you didn't want john ham <laughs> as you-
1: Fuck that Don guy! Draper Get him out of the movie as Don industry, Draper Angel. That like I don't care that you have a gigantic penis. Use it as a belt. Get off my TV screen. You're the same character in everything you do. I I just don't care. Get John Ham out of here. So
0: wait, and I guess I have this in my trivia section, but I'll I'll talk about it real quick. In a DVD extra of Good Omens, it's suggested that John Ham's Gabriel character uh-huh. is modeled after his version of Matt. Yes. Which is obvious because that's every character.
1: Because <laughs> he has no acting range, is why he doesn't have. <laughs> they were just like, "What's that guy doing?" I but I love how they throw.
0: They're like, "Oh, Don Draper is a great character. What if we threw Don Draper into like <laughs> comedy situations?" And then he was like in every comedy. I know.
1: Which you know, I like. There are moments he fills out a scene, so I'm not going to totally hate on him. Yeah. But I will say, like, yeah. like, like apparently heaven in this series is the Mad Men office, and if that sounds awful to you, it sounds awful to me as well. So I would not be Team Heaven in the, the t- television series.
0: They seemed like yeah. <laughs> actually, I I enjoyed. Who's the character, the demon that's with Crawley? The most uh, I think it's Lagger,
1: the one that's like is, the it, the albino looking one. He kind of looks like
0: angels yeah, and demons. I liked him. <laughs> I liked him. He was probably one of my favorite characters. He gets there's a scene for our listeners out there where. Crowley tricks him into getting stuck in a Mm. (laughs) answering machine. And then the only way he could get out is working through a telemarketer that randomly crawls Crowley. And then he just eats that person It's
1: in the book. And he turns every because he's the I forget if he's a Duke of hell, but like maggots. Yeah. So like Duke Duke of of hell. Hell. So he like just basically consumes all the telemarketers and revives himself.
0: Yeah. He's a great character. When he says he hates jokes and then kills that guy, and then there's a scene when the kid shows up and he, the kid's like, you smell like poo. <laughs> and he just laughs and is like, I love jokes. <laughs> He's one of my favorite characters. Little trivia for Good Omen. Mm. Terry Gilman, I guess, tried to adapt this movie several times in the past. And he actually came close in 2002 where he raised like fifty million dollars to to make good omens. And his two characters he had set up for to play Crowley and Xerophel were Robin Williams as Xirafel and Johnny Depp as Crowley. And I thought that would have been great, but I, I guess don't know uh, that. Hollywood didn't want to use at the time it was like post nine eleven, pre Pirates of the Caribbean, and nobody wanted to use Johnny Depp at the time.
1: <laughs> I love how it's like post eleven. Like was Johnny yeah. Depp in like went on the, doing an inside job on nine eleven that they were like oh it's too well, soon Johnny Depp you're we've we I see your he, colors I don't,
0: I don't know Johnny Depp around the nine eleven era but I don't know what he put out there or what he said maybe he said some wrong things I
1: like that I mean, that's when Hollywood came for him harder than not yeah. Amber Heard they were just like oh, man nine eleven we can't do Johnny Depp
0: And you know what saved them?
1: Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the
0: Caribbean.
1: Wonderful.
0: Like I said, and sorry, like you said, Terry Pratchett had a lot of his footnotes in the book. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to read this book, do not listen to it. Read the actual physical hard copy in your hands. I guess the director tried to include as many as those footnotes as possible in the show as Easter eggs. One of the examples is the table tennis set, which belongs to the Chattering Order of Saint Barrel, yeah. is in it. So there's like little things like that.
1: Can I just say that too? And then I'm chattered more in the show.
0: I do. I agree. I do you agree know, on that. I'll make I'll, it clear. I'll Give you the point. Make on it that clear. One. These... they 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 talk like normal <laughs> talking, I guess,
1: and very subtle in the satanic notes. Clearly, like, uh, are we are we trying to hide? No. Just a giant yeah. upside down crucifix. Go for it.
0: And then Madam Tracy, the woman that lives next mm. door to Shatwell, that actress has played a witch twice before, once in Sleepy Hollow and once in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire.
1: I loved her in this, too. I thought she was very well casted.
0: Oh, hilarious. Yeah.
1: Like she, like, and I thought they did a very good job of, of writing her as, or showing her as she was written. Down to, like... She
0: was also a good, a good actress to play a crazy... Psychic witch character, and then transform into just like a normal. (laughs) Yeah, to
1: physicalize as zero fail as well. Like while she's being the two people, I thought she she did really really well. Oh, there was I want to say one line in the show that really cracked me up, and it's not in the book, but it was that whole thing where Crowley is trying to get the holy water, and he's it's like the seventies, and he's decided that he's going to hire a bunch of people to break into the into the church to get him holy water, and the witchfinder general. Shadwell, who we have not talked about at all on this show, and I'm sorry for anyone who (laughs) loves him, was not one of my favorite characters. But anyway, he's so obsessed with like finding witches and being a witch finder that like the whole time.
0: And how many nipples? How many nipples
1: people have? That he asks Crowley, like, "Oh, are there witches involved with this robbery?" (laughs) Crowley just goes, "Nope, it's a witch-free robbery." why that got me so hard like i literally just want to say that all the time like it was a witch-free robbery
0: yeah every person shatwell goes to all he asks is how many nipples nipples did they have my favorite line from the show that's not in the book is when the diplomat from america (laughs) has the baby boy i sent you the text but he he has this baby boy and he's in America with the president and he's FaceTiming his wife while she's giving birth and she gives birth to the son. And he just goes, we have a boy, a regular Y-chromosome <laughs> boy. Oh, I,
1: what's his name to that actor? I thought that was a good choice for the American diplomat.
0: Nick Offerman. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Good choice. Speaking of
1: casting.
0: Want do some casting? Okay. So for Crowley. I have two. Well, I have three, but one's kind of a combo. So for Crowley, I have Jim Carrey. Oh. Or, I don't know if... Do you know Aaron Taylor Johnson? He was the British guy in Bullet Train that we just
1: watched. Oh, the...
0: the he's, lemon? He's like... Or not Lemon. Orange or yes. whatever? Yeah. Yeah, one of those guys. He's supposedly on track to play the next James Bond, supposedly. Oh. Yeah. So the, the straight white
1: men had their way. They're like we're going to bring James Bond back the way he left.
0: There's a there's a few options. There's a few options out there, but he's he's on the list, I guess. And then for a zero fail, I had Will Farrell <laughs> or Brendan Fraser. Oh my god. And then as a combo, you could just do like the classic Seth Rogen style movie and just do seth rogan james franco as a zero fail and crowley
1: oh uh, that would that'd be interesting that would be a very particular type of
0: movie exactly <laughs> it wouldn't be, be this type not of show my good omens
1: that's for sure they could
0: do it they could probably if, do it yeah their way an, you if
1: that jewish canadian american yes. style of this which, by the way, Neil Gaiman, I did not realize this. So, he's a, his family's Jewish, but they're raised really closely towards Scientology. So, oh, I mean, I, if you want to tie that into it's how this was working. written, <laughs> 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 and yet, like, a lot of what he writes, like, I love American Gods. We do not talk about the TV show because that is an affront to humanity, but the book American Gods is excellent. And a lot of his work is always about like, mythology so obviously you can see that in good omens but like nordic mythology especially so like i mean like being like an ashkenazi jew with like scientology i'm like where what libraries were you frequenting as a 14 year old boy that you were just (laughs) (laughs) like i found something uh
0: what if you like good omens what kind of what other books would you recommend
1: i would definitely recommend at least one and oh, oh wait,
0: oh. I'm so sorry, oh. Kelly. I'm so sorry. Let's oh. back up. What are your casting oh, this choices is for zero and Crowley? Oh, shit.
1: I had just two. So okay, let's see. I hear it. said for Crowley, if I had to replace David Tennant, which I don't know if I would. I said I know I don't think I, I, I would either and because he's just so fucking charming.
0: I'm just picking casting choices out of my ass.
1: well, but David. Tennant I mean, is if you have Will Ferrell and Seth Rogen in your ass, let it out. Please let it out. I said for a, a zero fail, Troy Sivan. That's the singer. I went for a very twinky blonde guy who's South okay, African okay. Australian, so he still has the accent, but like very angelic looking. So I thought he, but he's young, so that's an issue here. But then I said Colin Farrell for oh
0: good Crowley for Crowley good Crowley. Yeah, you didn't even say it. Yeah, I pictured it. It was just like, especially
1: like in Bruges style, Colin yeah, Farrell for sure. And like then it would have to be directed by God. What I can never remember his name, and I love him, McDonough, who wrote Three Billboards yeah. and all that. That would be a very dark Good Omens, and I would love be it. Be good. I would love it.
0: You actually, you could actually do two get the Colin Farrell and the other actor from In Bruges and The Banshee. As Crowley, a zero fail, zero fail. That's
1: so true. Oh God, what's his name too? The, the he's like the heavy, heavier Irish guy. Yeah, and everything.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway,
1: no, that would be that's really true too. I'm going to send a letter to McDonough, stating Perfect. this. Thank you. Email opening.
0: So back to book recommendations.
1: Book recommendations. So one of the things that bonded Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman together was Douglas Adams. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So I Ooh, would uh, so funny. 100% recommend that. I, if you like that, it list. it's the same tone. It's just like how I was yes. talking. Sure, it's British. It's just got tons and tons of wit, tons and tons of satire. It's just uh, somebody just yeah. ha- eating way too many edibles and writing something that's on their mind. And it's so clever and funny. And yet, at the same time, it comes down to something really like, meaningful and a, a purpose about, like, life and yada yada. Yeah. So I would definitely recommend that. And then, obviously, like I said, American Gods for Neil Gaiman. I personally haven't read anything mm-hmm. else by Terry Pratchett, but I plan to, so I would also probably recommend, without having read it, the Disc World series, because from what I've read of his work in Good Omens, I would definitely follow up with anything else that he has done. R.I.P.
0: Guys, we did not plan this, but I also recommended Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh. On the movie side. Very similar, like Kelly said. I also read recommended Dogma. Remember Dogma?
1: Fuck, that is exactly... Okay, so I was thinking of that, and that was the movie I couldn't remember. Yes, 100%. Yes. That is like an American, early 2000s version, version of American Gods. Of Good Omens. Or, yeah. Of, and, and American, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So I recommended that one. If you haven't watched Doom... If you like this, you'd probably like Doom Patrol... Which is on HBO. It's a DC show, but it's very all over the place. Very chaotic. A similar vibe. And then I just put anything British.
1: <laughs> Broad church. <laughs> if you want to see David Tennant, David Tennant Doctor, Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. The Midsummer uh, Murders. Flea Bag. Tin Biscuits yeah. of, of tea.
0: You're you're into this
1: tin biscuits And I'm making myself hungry, is actually what I'm doing i love tea let's have some tea yeah
0: so that's good omens that's that wraps up good. yes
1: this show is brought to you by us being equally as spastic as the book is because this was all over the book Uh, this is
0: a crazy one (laughs) it's very hard to podcast this book it is and like
1: i feel like i've like i did fail a little bit with trying to describe this book but it really is awesome guys like i know it's not for everybody so if 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 it's a little too steep for you in its witticisms or at least not making it... F-
0: Kelly, you're making it sound like I wasn't getting the jokes. I got the jokes. There were too many jokes. And which is funny to w- say, but there are too many jokes.
1: Too many jokes. Okay, if you guys like way too many jokes and like references, that yes. will go over your head. But it's a, s- <laughs> a story about the end of the world and the Antichrist in a very unpredictable manner. I would definitely recommend this book. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's 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 something heartwarming but at the same time just enjoyable. And if you can't do that, watch the TV show. I think they do a good enough adaptation of it, and I don't want to hear you bitch and moan about how you didn't get the concept of the show, and I'd rather you appreciate it. <laughs> I'd rather you appreciate it <laughs> yeah, in whatever form you can.
0: You'll understand the show way better than what we described.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. So, I would do apologize for us not nailing this one, but It's good.
0: It's good, Omens. As we wrap up, I just want to give a quick shout out to our newest Patreon member, Patrick Henderson and the Henderson family of Milton, Massachusetts. Thank you for being a Patreon member. We are going to, starting in 2023, we're going to add more to our Patreon page. We are going to try starting the book club. We're going to do some virtual watches, group watches of movies and TV shows. Some more to come on that. We're going to put out some blogs and some trivia and some polls out there as well. So if you're not a Patreon member, go on to Patreon, look up Seeing Red Podcast and 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 join. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Not much on those, uh, just mostly on Instagram. <laughs> and that's at Seeing Red Podcast on, on Instagram. So follow us on there. Quick shout out. Thank you to Geckos Media. Make sure you go check out Geckos Media. Tons of great podcasts on there. We listen to Stumble Upon. We listen to Conspiracy Happy Hour. Sure. We listen to Greco's and Grotto's. Tons of stuff out there. So go check out their list. Tons of great shows on there. And Kelly, was there anything else I missed? I think
1: you covered pretty much all of it.
0: Great. <laughs> I'm sorry. And that wraps up my show. My
1: introductions are at a zero. Happy
0: holidays, um, Kelly. Thanks.
1: Happy holidays to you. However you may celebrate, whether you're in heaven, hell, Scientology, which might be Neither. I don't know. It's all made up.
0: You're just here on Earth, being a human.
1: Kind of is against what they believe in, I think. Anyway, so yeah. Happy holidays, everyone, and keep reading movies.
0: Keep watching books. Bye. Bye.